This is Warner Lewis, and welcome to another edition of Lewis at Large, smart talk and conversation with talented people from all walks of life. A reminder to subscribe to these Lewis at Large podcasts, go to Apple, Spotify, or Google Play. And if you like the podcast, hey, let others know about it. For context, my interview with Dan Glickman was recorded in June of 2021. Extremely pleased to have with us uh, today Dan Glickman. Uh, you know him well. Uh, for many years, served as a representative in the United States Congress. He was also the Secretary of Agriculture. He's a former vice president of the Aspen Institute, a senior fellow at the Bipartisan Policy Center, and a board member of the World Food Program USA. Uh, again, he also served as Secretary of Ag, again, from 95 to 2001, and also as chairman of the Motion Picture Association of America from 2004 to 2010. He hails from the aeronautic city of Wichita, Kansas. We are pleased to have him here. Dan Glickman, uh, how are you, my friend? I'm doing just great. It's uh, near 100 degrees here in Washington, but other than that, it's it's okay, you know? Well, you were raised in the Middle West. You know what hot heat and humidity is like. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, people here kind of go crazy over the heat. And it is hot for here, uh, I would have to say. But it's, uh, compared to Kansas, it's probably a normal, normal summer. Well, we certainly want to. You've got a, a new workout called Laughing at Myself, My Education in Congress on the Farm and at the Movies. We want to get to that, but let's uh, let's do this, Dan, a little bit, uh, some more setup for those in our audience that may not uh, know all of this background. What was the path? Uh, you were raised in Wichita, but what was the path that led you towards politics in the first place? You know, I, I, sometimes, I think about that a lot. I'm not a hundred percent sure i was a middle child so maybe i was always trying the one to resolve the conflict between my older brother and younger sister and therefore tried to reach consensus and that maybe have gotten got me into politics but you know i was this president of the sixth grade of fabric elementary school in wichita and election commissioner at southeast high school in wichita so i just kind of had that path i went on to be elected to the wichita school board then on to congress and it was just kind of a career path for me i I, I just must have always liked the give and take of politics, whether it was school board or local or, or national. I don't want to overstate it, but I also don't want to underplay it either. And the fact of, of a Jewish representative from the state of Kansas, tell us at the time, number one, in your mind and in the mind of the voters uh, in southeast Kansas, was that in fact an issue or was it just never even really brought up or thought about? You know, I don't really think it was much of an issue. I, I, I never faced any direct discrimination. I'm, I'm sure there was always some subtle, uh, discussion in some quarters, but look, I defeated in a nine term, an eight term, uh, Republican incumbent congressman, uh, you know, in 1976. And, and it wasn't an issue then. And then I became secretary of agriculture, which, you know, is not necessarily known as a, is a, I mean, in terms of farming economy, it's not a, known as a profession where there were a lot of Jewish people in, and it just, it wasn't a factor. It, 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 it in fact, is probably an asset, believe it or not. What about, again, you've got, uh, had the opportunity to serve in multiple channels and multiple departments of the United States government. Uh, when you look back on it, uh, the roles were different, but you were still serving the country. Was there a, was the executive branch or the legislative branch? Did you have a preference to do it all over again? 
Well, I always thought that being a congressman was the greatest job in the world in terms of you had all sorts of personal freedom. I mean, your only real responsibility was to your constituents. And, of course, that's a big responsibility. But I, you didn't have a boss in the sense that uh, when I became Secretary of Agriculture, I mean, I really had a boss. He was the President of the United States. And in most jobs, you, you, you have somebody that you report to. In my case, well, in a, as a congressperson, you report to 600,000 people, and um, it allows you a lot more personal freedom, and uh, you're able to really kind of do what you think is right um, more than most other jobs. Dan, uh, that was a different time back then, or so it, it seems. Uh, it used to be a time when just because I disagreed with you didn't mean necessarily that I or you were the enemy. Uh, I'm curious as to share with us a little bit about what compromise meant back then and what was inherent maybe in your job and your approach to the job as a United States representative and your awareness of compromise and the need for it. Well, you know, I always felt that I was sent there to get things done and not to create battles or chasms or building walls. And, um, and it was my personal nature, but it was also the way politics was. So, you know, I worked very closely with the other side of the aisle, Senators Bob Dole and Pat Roberts, and, and uh, who served uh, alongside with me, as well as people of my, of my own party, especially on matters that impacted Kansas or impacted Kansas issues like agriculture or aviation. Now, now that still happens, but uh, today party has become more important. Uh, allegiance to your own political party has become more important, and you're much less prone to reach across the aisle than certainly I felt when I served in the 70s and 80s. You know, it's uh, Kansas is considered certainly a red state, although we have had, yourself included, uh, Kathleen Sebelius, uh, the current governor, uh, past governors. Uh, we have had some strong, strong Democratic political leadership uh, from this state. Uh, do you attribute that to anything, or is that just the way it is? Well, Kansas has always been a, a, a Republican, I mean, a Republican state. But it wasn't a right-wing state. It was what I call a center-right state, conservative, but, uh, uh, you know, pretty open to electing people from different political parties. So my old congressional district had a majority of Republicans, but it wasn't overwhelming majority. And I was able to appeal to a lot of independent and, and Republican voters. And, and you're right, in terms of Kansas, you look back historically, Sebelius and Kelly, John Carlin, the Dockings. And, you know, uh, so so we've had a, a, a long history of electing what I call moderate centrist Democrats. Now, we're the longest running state in the country that has not elected a Republican senator. Uh, the last time we elected a Republican senator was in the early 1930s. So we still hold the record there. If you just joined us, yours truly, Warner Lewis from the flight deck of Lewis at Large. Got a good one going here with uh, favorite son, Dan Glickman. Uh, long time uh, served in the United States Congress, representing Wichita and the surrounding areas. Also served as the Secretary of Agriculture from 1995 to 2001. And chairman of the Motion Picture Association of America for six years in 2004 to 2010. Brand new work called Laughing at Myself. Dan, let's, uh, let's dive towards the book now. What uh, boy, you look back on this career that was uh, 
primarily political, but involved with people for sure, a little bit varied with the Motion Picture Association. What uh, what crossed the line? What tipped the cup for you in terms of creating a, a book and sort of a biography and a look back? Well, I, I one could say that I had a tough, tough time holding a job, but I had a lot of different opportunities in life, and uh, I had unconditionally supportive parents, and they said you could do anything you wanted to do if you, as long as you... But my dad's theory was uh, uh, when one door closes, the other door opens, and that's the way you should think of life. Of course, you have to be standing right by the door when that happens, or else it, it won't open. And so I had my ups and downs in life, but I found that... Uh, being in uh, politics, uh, especially when I was able to develop an expertise in agriculture and farming, was a, a real big asset for me. And I was able to do a, a lot of things, again, working across the aisle. And both aviation and agriculture, which are kind of the two areas that I specialized in, were not partisan issues at all. And the Department of Agriculture, when I got there, had a long history of being one of the most bipartisan of all departments. So, you know, I... I, I'm not as comfortable with the world of today where, as I say, toxic partisanship uh, tends to dominate a lot more than it certainly did back in the old days. And without being overly nostalgic, I suspect that uh, the amount of money in politics drives that uh, partisan division. I suspect the nature of the 24-hour media, which is much different than was 30 or 40 years ago, also has a lot to do with it. So, question for you, uh, as you put this work together, uh, drawing from all kinds of different kind of experiences, was was it tough to do or was it simple? It's tough to do because uh, I'm not a natural writer, and so uh, I'm a natural talker. <laughs> That's my strength, but writing is not necessarily my strength. So it took me, you know, several years to kind of put this together but the on the positive thing is i saved everything my wife thinks that uh, the, the house is just full of junk but a lot of it is just stuff that helped me when i when i went to write the book so um if you're ever interested in writing anything maybe be a little neater than i was but don't throw stuff away that uh, you think could help you especially if you want to create something that your grandchildren and children you know, would want to see in, in the future years. But it was it was tough. I'm a better editor than I am a writer. I had some people helping me. And then, luckily, I had I got really great people at the University of Kansas Press to help. You know, they're the publishers of this book. And um, and then everybody, you know, people were cooperative, all the way from Dole and Roberts to uh, people in Washington I worked with all those years. Dan, what's, uh, I'd like to, you had served in the government and served your community in Wichita. When you arrive in Washington and you look back on your years, and let's just limit this right now to your years in Congress, overall, uh, looking back on that, what was maybe your biggest pleasant surprise about being able to serve in Congress, and what might have been maybe your biggest disappointment or I don't, the shock is too big of a word, but just sort of eye-opening thing, maybe on the negative side, that it was something you had not anticipated. I'd say that the most pleasant surprise was, well, one great thing, is the Democrats were in the majority the entire time I was in Congress. Now, uh, from a partisan, if you're a partisan Republican, you may think, not think that's a good idea, but as a Democrat, that certainly helped me accomplish things and, and you know, bring things home and and, uh, you know, because my party was in power the whole time, which was, uh, you know, certainly a, a good thing. But I, I think that 
thing that surprised me was is that the social arrange relationships my wife and I were able to make with other members of Congress and their spouses of both political parties. We, we uh, socialized a lot. We worked five days a week. I wasn't raising money every minute of my life like, like these folks have to do today. I, the, my first race for Congress cost a total of $100,000. Today, an average race for Congress would probably cost about $100,000 a day. Uh, to run successfully, so I was. It was just a lot. It was fun, okay, and you know. And I'm not sure that the folks today say, "Well, the job is fun." There's still very good people in this job, but it's it's a it's a much different world. So my biggest surprise is how much fun I had in the job. I think the thing that that got me down is, and later in years, is how much time I had to spend raising money, um, and that's just. Not a that that part of the job was not fun. Right. Okay. Let's uh, let's move you uh, to the cabinet. Uh, kind of same question. Must have been what a what a wonderful experience it must have been. But look back on that and what was sort of the great joy and what was maybe either a disappointment or or something maybe that you could do all over again. Maybe do something a little bit differently. Well, you know, actually, one of the great joys was when, you know I was picked and. It was a little bit of happenstance. Uh, my predecessor, his name was Mike Espy, and he had to resign because of a, an ethics issues he was ultimately exonerated from. And fortunately, uh, Bob Dole, who was the majority leader, recommended me to Bill Clinton. And I also had the support of uh, people like Al Gore and Leon Panetta, and they were people I came to Congress with. And so uh, the, great, the great joy was just the jurisdiction of the Department of Agriculture, everything from farm programs, to the forest service, to food safety, uh, to the feeding programs like food stamps and other things. The breadth of jurisdiction was just monumental. And there were about 100,000 people that worked for me, and I had to learn how to manage things, which I hadn't really done in Congress because you, you had a, a pretty small office. And then finally, I had Bill Clinton as president, and you know, a lot, a lot of people liked him, a lot of people didn't like him. But he was the proverbial good old boy. He knew rural issues. He was from a small town in northwest Arkansas. And he liked and was interested in what I did at USDA. And that made the job just so much more enjoyable. Compare that, if you would, just a little bit to the, to the politics today. If offered uh, a cabinet post today, and I know your age is different and, and the situation is different, but in today's political climate, tell us what your feelings would be. Would they be the same? Would you still want to serve? Yeah, I would. Uh, look, I mean, it is, it's, it's a more toxic environment, but, but you can still do a great work at all these cabinet-level agencies, particularly, you know, Agriculture Department remains... Uh, uh, reasonably bipartisan, and you have a good secretary there, Tom Vilsack, who's got a lot of experience. And it would it would depend on the job. Some of these cabinet posts are more partisan and and uh, div- divisive than 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 others. But it, you still have the great opportunity to influence events around the world. And um, you know, we've been through a tough period. The last four or five years has has been tough in this country in terms of uh, getting people to work together. I think things are improving. Hopefully. And um, after all, one of the reasons I think a lot of people don't trust their government is because it hasn't been producing much in terms of results. Um, and I, I, I'm, I'm hoping that that's changing now. 
Again, we're with Dan Glickman, uh, former United States Secretary of Agriculture from 95 to 2001, and also served for 18 years in the U.S. House, representing the 4th Congressional District of Kansas in the Wichita area. Uh, let's turn, uh, now you make the leap uh, from the public sector to the private sector as chairman of the Motion Picture Association of America. Um, I'm going to bet that maybe from the beginning and infinitum, you'll be the only U.S. Secretary of Ag that jumps to the Motion Picture Association. Is that a fair statement? And tell us about that leap that you made. Yeah, I'd say that's probably, uh, that that fact is absolutely true for now. I mean, I don't know what the future lies. I, I used to tell people that I, I, I used to grow popcorn in, in my ag days, and then I would sell it in my movie days. Kind of get a chuckle once in a while, yeah. but it was a, it was a big it was a big change, and uh, I, I got that job for a couple reasons. One, I was a friend of Jack Valenti, who had held that job uh, for almost forty years. He worked for Lyndon Johnson, and he liked me, and we knew each other. And also, I think he felt, and others felt that uh, there were parallels there. Agriculture is a very export dependent industry. Over half of our products are have to be sold overseas, and and the same is true with entertainment. It's, it's very export-dependent. So you had a lot of the same trade issues. And so, you know, believe it or not, there were a lot of parallels between the jobs, even though, you know, corn is not uh, film or television. There, 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 there are a lot of parallels in what you have to do to move American products overseas. Uh, and the other thing I tell people, they think it's one person said, oh, you have the most glamorous job in the world. And I said, well, Angelina Jolie was not calling me every day. Most of my work was lobbying the Congress on intellectual property and piracy and tax and trade issues. So it was it was essentially a Washington job. I mean, I did travel to Los Angeles quite a bit, but I was uh, I was not known as one of the beautiful people in the movie industry. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, surely at least once or twice in your life, in your career, someone put a microphone into your face and said, who are you wearing tonight? Uh, well, I did walk the red carpet with my wife, okay. but usually they would ask her what she was wearing because I wore the same tuxedo, I think, for six or seven straight years. So, okay. but, but I will tell you that when I walked that red carpet, I thought to myself, gee, this is, this is amazing. A lot of people didn't have any idea who I was, but I still would think about my grandparents who came to this country as immigrants 100 years before, and I said, what would they think about their grandson walking the red carpet with all these paparazzi and stars. <laughs> well, Dan, uh, again, the work is laughing at myself. As you look back on it all, was it, uh, as you were writing the book, and was it hard? I would think it, you had su such a, a plethora of material. Was it tough to leave certain things out? Yeah, actually, as I look now and I look at all the papers that I have strewn around my house, I said, why didn't I put this in or why didn't I put this in? But but I, I, the main point I was trying to make in this book was is that uh, we've kind of become a humorless society and at all levels, but at government levels, and we don't seem to have a lot of fun. And so I, I use these experiences in my life, particularly the ones where I was able to use self-deprecating humor to make a point. Usually it was the point was when I got into trouble or I, when I wanted to get something done, humor was an important characteristic that uh, led me to, to engage in, in positive and victorious action. And, and um, it doesn't mean uh, politically incorrect humor, but it means uh, 
authentic, genuine, self-deprecating humor, making the best out of bad situations, make a lemonade out of lemons, so to speak. And uh, so my point is, is that if more politicians had that attitude, I think we we might be moving this country further forward. Yeah, I, that's one thing as we sort of start to wind down here a little bit. Look down the road and prognosticate for us just a little bit. Do you see a return to an era where we're actually talking and listening to one another and that some of the vitriol starts to recede just a little bit? I, I sure hope so. And I think you made an important point about listening. So I make the point in the book, you know, that my mother used to say we have two ears and one mouth for a simple reason. You're supposed to talk much less than you uh, than you listen, because when you listen, you learn something. And you might actually find that somebody else has a point of view that it, it earns your respect, or maybe it'll change your mind. And uh, they might have some information or facts that are that are better than yours, so to speak. And uh, and and I think most people agree with that. We do have more people on the edges, on the extremes in politics, and that that makes it difficult to compromise when people, to use the football analogy, are on the end zone or on the five yard line, as opposed to between the forty yard line and the forty yard line, kind of in the middle of the field, where where you know that that's where the big things get done. And, I, you know, I'm hopeful, and this is not to be overly partisan, but the previous four years, they, they were tough. We were, we were killing each other with rhetoric every single day. And, and tonally, I think the new administration is, is trying to soften that and, and get people not to be so, so edgy in terms of their political views. Well, I guess the final question is you've served locally uh, in the Wichita area. You served in D.C., executive and legislative branch and you served in the motion picture industry what uh my gosh what what's left for you maybe professional sports or what do you think well you know an airline pilot except i'm probably too old for that uh but uh, i love i love airplanes uh you know and um and you know i mean who knows i might be like george w bush take up uh drawing and painting uh, but I'm still involved in, in a variety of agriculture issues, uh, mostly in domestic and global hunger issues and, and that kind of thing. So I'm not uh, I'm not ready to really retire just yet. All right. Again, the work is laughing at myself, my education in Congress on the farm and at the movies uh, by Dan Glickman, uh, favorite son from the state of Kansas. Dan, now real quickly, how can we pick up a copy of this thing? And also, do you have a website or a way people can find out some more information about what you're up to? Well, the, uh, right now, the best way to get the book is either through the University of Kansas Press, which is, you know, and I read the Raven Bookstore in Lawrence is going to have a book event for me. We were going to have one before, but there were some technical issues. So they ought to, if they're in the Kansas area, especially Northeast Kansas, the Raven Bookstore, will be there or amazon uh is also a possibility i don't have a specific website but but i have if you google me you'll get you'll get all the information as well all right hey listen best of luck uh with the book and uh thanks so much for spending part of your day with us today and would love to have you back on again to tell us about the next adventure all right maybe you never know maybe there's another book coming out (laughs) uh, but but i won't give it away just yet because it's not started yet okay thanks a bunch well thanks for joining us for this installment of lewis at large we add new conversations every week and we like hearing from you you can contact us via email at warner f lewis one 
at gmail.com. That's WarnerFLewis1 at gmail.com. And you can find out more at lewisatlarge.com or on the Lewis at Large Facebook page. And remember to subscribe to Lewis at Large. Check out Apple, Spotify, or Google Play. Now go have a great day.